most. Now, uh, I'm seeing a couple of people who weren't here less here last week, and most of us were. Here was the question that we posed to everybody, because in foundations, let me back up a little bit. We've been talking about what are the different foundations that are set around us. It's very interesting. It says God, in Ephesians 1.3, listen, it says God chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world. It says in Revelation, I think it's 13.8, it says uh, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. It was what, it's very interesting what God said to Job at the end of his testing and Job, and he finds out, you know, Job, he's having to bring some correction to old Job, all right? And, he, and God the creator, El Shaddai, looks at Job and says, and where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? So God the creator is referring to foundations. Now, what we understand, Psalm 82.5 talks about the, the, the foundations are out of course, See, it doesn't mean the tectonic plates that are on this. It doesn't mean the, the earth or the crust. It can mean that. It can refer to that. But in Psalm 82, he was talking about justice. He was talking about how the poor were treated and, and the fatherless and all these things. So in other words, there are foundations that are not uh, literal or tangible. There, there are things like compassion. There are things like love. There are things like marriage. Uh, I'm just going to say this as a side note. Uh, I am so glad to be living in a state where the Alabama Chief Justice of the Supreme Court has taken a stand against an unrighteous uh, infiltration or, or a breach of God's law and of the marriage contract, the marriage covenant. Now, excuse me, just, that's a, the marriage covenant that God has made. You shall not break God's command. You shall not go and say when God says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, then God says, you can't come back and redefine that and say, well, it's two men or it's two women. Just because some judge, somewhere, I'm trying to not preach here because I'm, I'm sitting so I'm supposed to be sharing. But just because a judge sitting in a room, passes, sitting in a robe, passes a law, saying, we say two men married is fine. God says, just because you say it doesn't make it right. right. So the word says the foundations are out of course. And um, as I shared with you last week, we talked with a pastor here recently that said in their membership class, they they have had to add a new addition to what they have been doing about teaching new members coming into the church. And that is so many people are getting saved and coming to the church, but they're living together and they're not married. They're cohabitating. And in this culture, people seem to think there's nothing wrong with that. It's knocking a foundation out of course because God has a way of doing it. God has a way of doing things. So that's why it's really important for us to understand Foundations have been set, and they, are, they, they govern everything that God has. So it's up to you and I to find out what those foundations are. So last week we talked about marriage. And um, I know we're in a mixed room. This, this, um, this won't relate. We got some who are past marriage. Uh, we got some who are planning on getting married. 
and you got some who are in marriage. Have you ever heard that marriage is like flies on a screen door? Those who are in want out and those who are out want in. (laughs) Crazy about this thing called love, this thing called marriage. But we said last week the goal of every marriage according to God's word is oneness. That the two would become one. And even the the New Testament goes and says, and therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate or set asunder. So the goal of marriage, ladies and gentlemen, is some people say, well, it was to procreate. That's a part of it. It's, It's about an offspring. God, Malachi, God says he seeks your offspring. So in other words, all those who were planning on having babies get busy. Because God, God, hey, that's godly. I'm telling you. It's because he seeks a godly offspring. And spiritual offspring, too. And um, spiritual, because you, know, you can have be, spiritual right, babies. Right, exactly, exactly. It's Don't not biological. discount that. Right, right. Uh, so now what did we say uh, were the levels, because there are three levels of oneness. Now, this little this recapitulation now. Hang on. We, we haven't gotten there yet. Just hold the phone. You're, you're, you're in Genesis, right? Get somewhere in Genesis. We'll be there in just a minute. Uh, (laughs) um, What levels? God wants every husband and wife to be intimate on three levels. Ready? One, spiritually. Spiritual intimacy. It's called communion. He He wants them to walk together in devotion with him and to know one another spiritually. The second level is he wants to know them to know one another psychologically. This is the intimacy of the soul. How many of you have heard somebody use this statement, I have met my soulmate? Hmm? What does that mean? When someone says, I've met my soulmate, what does that mean? That means, okay, the third level is, is the intimacy physically. There's a lot of people say, baby, we got chemistry. Baby, we, we, we are physically, we got it going on. How many know that can only last so long? You better have more than that when it comes to this covenant. All right? And so the psychological intimacy is getting to know that person that you've become one with. Because in the vow, the end comes at the beginning. Until death do us part. And for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. Uh, was it, for better or for worse, yeah. all right? In the morning when you get up and croutons are hanging out your eyes and your breath could peel the paint off the wall, for better, for worse. Well, I'm not getting That's any right. amens. I didn't think I'd That's get right. any amens. That's right, amen, brother. I'm going to amen you all the way. <laughs> 24 so, years later. Mm-hmm. Ah, but this now, watch. You, you become... You, you become Intimate, you yoke yourself with Christ. Don't be unequally yoked. You understand there's a lot of people get married but grow apart. Because one's growing spiritually, the other one's not. There's a lot of people who grow in knowledge. It may not just be knowledge of the Bible or spiritual, but one's highly educated and, and the other's not. And understand that's that couldn't that, that could torpedo a marriage, but it's gonna make it a lot more difficult if one knows a lot more and the other one knows a lot less because the temptation is one could become very condescending in what they know and the other could feel very insecure and, insu- and, and uh, you know, like they don't measure up. So it's important 
for the husband and the wife to begin at some place and begin to grow together spiritually. And I believe this, and hear this now, it's so important, because this is something I, I try to practice as much as I can. Deanna's got a picture she gave me when we were engaged. Basically, it's a poem, and basically it says, you, listen now, you see something in me that I don't see in myself. One of your jobs when you're yoked with a person, when you become in covenant with that person, is to look at them and say, I want to show you something I see in you that I'm not even sure you see in yourself. You know there are three yous, right? There's the you that God sees, there's the you that you see, and there's the you that that person you're yoked with sees. How many know the problem with the you that you see? You want to know what the problem is? We all got blind, blind spots. spots. All right? You know, if you got bad breath, somebody needs to come up and say, yo, you know, do something with that. Take a mint. Go brush your teeth. You're killing me here. You know, real, come on, your real friends tell you. If you got a piece of broccoli stuck between your front teeth, you know, your friend comes and says, bro, go to the bathroom. Deal with that. All right? But see, your, your, your mate, your soulmate, is able to say, you know, I see, I, I'm seeing some things perhaps you don't see. And look, part of your call as a spouse, as a husband and wife, is to redeem the brokenness inside of that other person. It's to help redeem it. Can I tell Go a ahead. funny story? I'm over here laughing by myself because, you know, you're supposed to, like, help with each other's blind spots. Well, one morning, Pastor Bill walks <laughs> out of the bedroom and he's coming to the kitchen and I look and I'm like, Oh. You've got your shirt on backwards. I mean, you know, like you couldn't miss it. It had some emblem on it that it was, I'm like looking at him going, your shirt's on backwards. And I mean, so that's what, I mean, that's a lighthearted thing. And, and you know what, when you explain people's blind sides or blind spots or whatever, it can be lighthearted. You don't have to go, man, you've got a problem and you need to fix it. You know, cause most people aren't going to receive like that, you know, <laughs> just saying. So anyways, well, if, if we're loving one another, like we should, right. when we're showing something where God's having to work, the person doesn't feel condemned. Right. They don't, feel, they don't feel like they're being judged because you've already won their love. You've already let them know, look, I believe in you. Right. But it's like the shirt. Well, if I'd have stood and argued with her, right. said, well, I my shirt's not on. How dare you? I'm offended that you put on my... No, she's in love. So, do you know your shirt's on backwards? And I, I'm, golly. Actually, you know. I was laughing. So it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good thing, Right. Right. Now, uh, here, let me say this about that. A lot of husband and wife, either the husband or the wife, appoints themselves as the Holy Spirit. And so now I am assigned to fix what's broken in you and to be the Lord of your life. Now bow down and kneel before me. It's like, uh, how many marriage counseling sessions have I said in and I've had to say, look, you are not the Holy Spirit. So leave him alone, leave her alone, all right? Because only God can bring the change in that person that he needs to. And by the way, you're not responsible. Husband, you're not, well, she, she does this, he does that. Well, it may get on your last nerve, but it's not up to you to change it. It's up to you to love and to, and to speak to things in love, speak the truth in love, right? But to pray for them and to believe with them, all right? But it's that coming together. Now watch this again. 
who, whether you, if you're about to get married, you're going to get married, you are married, this is real important, is that one of your jobs is to, is to look at the person that you've married and say, I want, I want to show you who you are through my eyes. And I want to tell you how beautiful you are. I want to tell you how valuable. In fact, I want to tell you, I believe you've got a lot of possibilities. I believe there's a lot of good things in you that haven't been brought out yet. And now hope begins to rise up in that person that you're yoked with. Really? Yeah, I believe. Because the person you're yoked with is the person that can sabotage your dreams or they can help you to rise up and capture them because the one who knows you best is confident in you. And they're speaking that to you. Amen. That's good. That's good. This is the gray hair, by the way, talking. All right? Because been in ministry, it's coming up on 35 years now. And um, I don't know how many, we've never counted how many couples we've counseled or premarital counseling or whether it's been, you know, as I told you, they walk in the office with a big rope tied up in a knot and said, it's taken us years, preacher, to get our marriage like this. Now, can you untie this knot in one hour? It's like, I don't have any wine or anything, you know, Scooby-Doo, you know, you're done, get out of here. You know, it just does not work like that. So we're talking about foundations and today, anybody know what today is, by the way? If you, if you, I, I check my email, so I, I check on Google. What is today? Is it national? International. It's International Women's Day. Woo! If you're women, hear me roar. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, I, give me that mic now. I, it's my turn. Well, it's my turn. Yeah. Uh, I just want to happen to say, since I got the microphone, gentlemen, I'm glad for women. Yeah. For one thing, man, if you look around the room, we are grossly outnumbered right now. So they, they could swarm us right now. That's right. Um, the other thing is I'm glad for women because I, I, I can't see being married to a guy. So I'm glad for a woman. I'm glad for the differences. Amen. I'm just putting it out there. All right. Okay. Amen. There are differences, which is what we're talking about. Are you in Genesis? Yep. Chapter 1, let's, let's, pick it, let's go back to the foundation. Remember we said this was picked up three times. This is now Moses writing. Um, Jesus quotes this verse and then Paul again in Ephesians 6 reestablishes uh, these chapters. But this he's, he lays down, verse 126. God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. And then he says in verse 27, for time's sake, verse 27, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now look at this. Do you notice in verse 26 that it says, let us make man in our own image? But in verse 27, it said, let us create man. Are you aware that in the Hebrew, those are two different words? The word make is the word is asa. And it means to form something out of something that already exists. The word create is the word bara. It means to make something out of something that doesn't exist. Mm. So what's the difference? 
God is saying this. He said, I am going to create man out of myself. Now, don't mix that up because some of you say, well, you say him, we're God. No, God, when he gave us spirit, he took of himself and he created. In other words, there was nothing there and he created something out of nothing. And notice this, that he created before he separated the man and the woman. Are you aware of that? Because the man was in the woman when he said this. He was still inside. The woman was in the man uh, when he said, I'm creating man. And then he said, now I'm going to make, which is the word, is, is I'm going to make something out of something exists. So God did not go back to the ground. said he formed man from the dust of the earth, right? right. But when God started in his making process, he didn't go he, he didn't create something out of nothing and he didn't go back to the ground. He went inside of the man and he took out the female species and he did it to make something very specific, something very unique and something in contrast because it says, I'm, I'm going to create them in my own image and my own likeness, we said last week. If God would have just created the male gender, it would have been an incomplete picture of who God is. Right. I know some people may make that say, is, is God a male or a female? The answer is yes. Because God has feminine attributes to himself. And to get a good picture of who God is, we've got to see the male and the female. But we've got to understand, what is their purpose? Why did God make them male and female? Well, okay, we know now that they're supposed to come together and become one, right? Right. But then he says, and out of you, I'm going to bring generations. I'm going to procreate through you. So now turn over to Ephesians. I'm getting to my jump off point here and then I'm going to loose that woman and let her go for her teaching part. Because this verse, these verses, mm-hmm. man, we could really teach through this whole yeah. thing, Ephesians 5. But I'm just going to read it and make some comments. And then um, we're going to talk about the five marks of a man and the five features of femininity. Man, that's hard to say. I'll let you say that. Femininity. Ephesians 5.22, let's pick it up here. This is New King Jimmy Version. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Look at that, as to the Lord. Right. Submit yourself to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself, and I like the way the Amplified says, gave himself sacrificially for her that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, And he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ooh, man, is that not good stuff right there? I mean, just all of that. We could just sit there for the rest of the day. 
But let's just let it speak to us. But let me bring out to you what he's saying is that when you understand that um, the liberal ideology that's out in the world today, they, they scoff at this verse, say, how dare you tell a woman to submit to a man? All right? Not realizing, ladies, remember what we said last week, who has the greater power in the marriage relationship? Is it the man who's the head or the woman who's the influencer? The woman. The woman has the greater power because she can turn the head. She has the ability to, to cause him to make decisions. That's the reason, ladies, you've got to make sure that you're grounded in the word and you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you're not being manipulative, not trying to get your own way, not just moving in emotion because right. you could mislead your husband right. if you're That's not right. moving in the spirit. Right. You, 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 and I understand people say, well, why do the men get to be in charge? Well, when we get to heaven, let's ask him. But man is the foundation. That's right. It is. That's why, and oh, that's what this whole thing, the, the biggest problem in the United States of America today, you want to know what it is? It's the absence of fathers. Yes, yes. And where we have all the, the, the babies being born out of wedlock and there's no dad there, or you have a dysfunctional father who either abuses or, or doesn't know how to father, that that has a, a, an emanating effect. It goes down through the generation. And don't you know that the enemy, the devil, the adversary knows I can bring down a nation if I can bring down the men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. How many times have I, as a pastor, gone to a, to a court to, uh, to, to, with a family and sat there with young people and people in court and seen that usually it's the mama that's sitting there and the daddy's not there. Mm-hmm. Because there's something that's broken. In the, and so you see that the, the, the man is the foundation of, of, of um, the family. They say the family is, but it starts with the dad and then it goes to the, to the, to the mother mm-hmm. and then the, the children, how they're to be trained and raised in the things of God. So, here's what I want you to, this is, this is uh, what I want you to catch up so you understand. Why did God create man? Okay, let's move through it quickly. God, there are five marks of, of a man of purpose. Number one, sirs, and whoever's listening to me on, on this recording, God created man to dwell in his presence. Sir, if you are not in the presence of God, you are like a fish out of water. That's right. That's you right. were created to be a man, it said that God came and walked with Adam right. in the cool of the day. Right. You were created to be in God's presence. Mm-hmm. That's your responsibility as a man. Number two, you were created to pr- reproduce what God puts inside of you. Mm-hmm. Now understand that, yes, the seed, yes, I'm talking, that's literal, that's physical, but it's also spiritual. Mm-hmm. You understand you can reproduce children even if it's not out of your loins. That's right. You can reproduce children in your spirit. Yes. You can reproduce greatness inside of a child if yes. you will speak to what God has put into them. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can reproduce what God's put inside of this. Uh, thirdly, to be a cultivator. That's what he put them in the garden, said keep it cultivated. That we are to cultivate. Y'all know what cultivate means, right? We, we turn that soil over. We, get, we loosen it up, get it ready. So when the seed goes in, we've created a good, ripe atmosphere for growth to take place sir we are the ones that can create growth an atmosphere of growth um fourth to be a protector it's in us it is um that's the reason that's kind of a political statement i don't know if i should say that or not Mm -hmm. 
I didn't write everything down I was going to say. I, I just Let me put it this way. I don't think it's a good idea to put ladies in combat on the front line beside men. You want to know why? Because men will automatically, intuitively, almost unconsciously and involuntarily go to protect the woman if they're overrun. Instead of everybody forming a one, they go instantly to protect the, the woman. Remember when the guy came into the theater in Aurora, where was it Aurora, Aurora Illinois? I mean, Colorado. Aurora, Colorado, yeah. wherever that took place. The guy's mowing people down, mm-hmm. and you got guys who were there, and the first instinct is to cover their, their fiance or to cover their wife. The guy's shooting, and their first thing is, why? Because God put that in us, man, uh, us men. We are there, and it rises up, so we are to protect. And that is in every way we, we protect them. We protect them from what, what's coming across the internet. Mm-hmm. We protect them what's coming across the TV screens. We protect them with what they might see at a movie theater. You see, we are called to be protectors. And then last, we're called to be teachers. And oh, I just wish I got I, I to gotta pass the baton here. Mm-hmm. But how many men, you young guys listen to me too, how many men have I met that they feel insignificant. They feel that nobody would listen to them. They feel like I don't have anything to say. Not realizing, sir, God has made you a teacher. You have stuff inside. And if you're living in his presence and you're, you're rising up to be the kind of man God wants you to be, he will bring people to you that need something you have. Right. Every man in this room is a teacher. You've just got to rise up to that function, to that purpose, and begin to understand, I have something to give. I need to give it. All right, honey, here, tag. We're going to talk about the ladies now, the uniqueness of a lady, right? Yeah, but I do want to go back to the Ephesians uh, 5.22. And right there at the very end, it says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know, a lot of times we look at this, we look at this passage and we're like, oh, that's just for married couples or that's for, it's for male and female. How we need to be acting as the position that we hold as male and position that we hold as female. And what Paul was saying here, if we don't get this, it's hard for us to, to um, find the treasure or find the mystery, find out the mystery of Christ in his church. So this is a really, really important, it doesn't matter if you're married today or not, this is how we need to be acting in the body of Christ. Right. So that's, I'm just going to lay it out there like that today. Relationships. It's relationships. relationships. Exactly, exactly. So, because um, some of us can check out and go, well, this really isn't for me. No, it's for us. If you're in the body of Christ, if you're saved, you need to get this because it's about respecting and honoring and loving um it says right here love husbands love the wife as christ loved the church and laid his life down for her women respect submit and it's about authority and you know i've just come across a lot of times when people have a problem with authority whether it be a teacher figure police whatever or in in a church situation it's not necessarily the authority that's standing right in front of them it's a higher authority that they have a problem with. And I'm just going to say it like it is this morning. (laughs) So anyways, understanding the feminine role in creation. It is not good, sufficient, satisfactory that the man should be alone. Okay, man should not be alone. I will make him a helper, help meet, suitable, complimentary for him. So women were made for man. And men... 
uh, right here, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, let's go on to the five features of femininity. There Wem- you go. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I was practicing that in my head. Uh, women were made out of God's idea. We weren't an afterthought. We weren't a, oh, by the way, we need to make her. It was already ordained for us to be made and come alongside and be a helper. And a lot of times we think that means our, our, our husbands. But if you're, when you're in the workforce, the men in the workforce need our help too. And in, in, in life, the boys need the moms to come along and help them. And again, it can be spiritual, spiritual. I mean, we've got teenagers that come to our house and, and I'm, I'm speaking to them like they're one of my own kids. Um, I'll just let them know that I'm like, okay, you're in my house now. I'm going to talk to you like you're mine. Uh, because they need to have that motherly soft influence in their life along with the fatherly influence too but again women were god's idea and it said it was not good for man to be alone that's back in genesis 2 18 um so the woman is a product of god and this this makes her god's property so we need to be careful how we treat and women we need to be careful how we treat other women you know, how many of us know that it can be kind of vicious out there? And, I mean, especially like in, in the high schools and girl fights and cat fights and, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we need to remember that women are God's property. We are all God's property, and we need to be careful how we treat, that, treat each other. But but women are a fine idea because at at, at yes, the, on the sixth that. day God said and it was very good He very made good. made man and it was very good okay and then women are to be a spirit being in other words we have a spirit too and it's not just the gentleman but God created us in the spirit a spirit man and in the spirit we are equal but our positions which brings us to the next the spirit is neither male, male nor female male nor female and you can find that in Galatians three twenty. 28, there is neither uh, slave nor free, nor male nor free female. So in the spirit, we are all looked at as the same. But there's a position that needs to be recognized that the man is the head. And again, we're talking about authority and submission. And anybody who's in, been in the military or any line or chain of command, you understand this, that in order to have authority, you know, it must be submitted to authority. Because if in, uh, anything with two heads makes what? A monster. Okay, so you say, but does that make does that make woman less than a man? Okay, listen to this. It said that Jesus, the Son of God, submitted Himself to the Father. Does that make Jesus any less God? He was showing a chain of command, a flow of authority, a channel that if you do it this way, because remember, we're created in the image and likeness of God. So when the woman comes under the submission of the husband, she's opening a divine channel of authority. And that's how you open up heaven. You know, you have, you're having a situation in your home. You need to make sure that you're walking under authority. And you know what? For some of us who are strong-willed, um, I can be strong-willed at times, but you know what? I've got to make sure my attitude is right with my husband because I don't want that uh, the atmosphere of the enemy to come in. So if I keep the channel open and, and heaven reigning in my home, and if I don't necessarily agree with something, then then either I need to pray about it and God needs to help me change my heart, or 
God will open his eyes. And that's not a manipulative you thing either. You have the either. right of appeal. Right, exactly. Because say, Look, I don't think that you're right on this. Right. That's an appeal, but that's, there's no, nothing wrong with that's doing right. that. That's right, that's right. And voice your your appeal to the authority of the home. Um, and then, and even, even in your work, and I'm trying to relate it to work too, because when you're dealing with men at the workplace, the same thing has to happen. Um, um, that they feel that you have honor and respect for them. And then when you go to appeal, uh, uh, or, you know, differ on something. So anyways, that the being a spirit being gives you the right to appeal. And then the next thing, women, uh, were taken out of men, and there's the position there, we, we just talked about that, that created order, that God created man, women came from man, and then provision, where there's a design and a need. We were designed for a certain provision. And let me just say, everything, like at our house, everything he gets, I get. <laughs> you get it? Oh, good. You get something to eat? I get something off that plate, too. You know, so everything he gets, I get. How many of y'all do that? Yes, you share out when you go out to dinner yeah. somewhere. You eat let's, off each other's plate. Let's split off a meal. You know, you better order something different and we'll trade. That's love, baby. Yeah, that is. That is. But you know what? That tells me that he's my protector and he's my provider because he's paying for the bill. <laughs> I get to order what I want, but he gets to pay for it. So, but there's a design and there's a need. And women were designed to help fulfill the need and to help the the man to be all that he is to be. And it doesn't matter if it's, a, you know, a, a ditch digger or a pavement man, whatever he's called to be, you are to help him fulfill that calling that's on his life. And, um, and, and that's really important, especially to the people, to our young people who are listening, that they get that because a lot of times women have the tendency to go, well, when I get that ring on my finger, I'm just going to change everything. No, you should not have that attitude. You know, yeah, you need to change yourself. That's what you need to be changing. Um, <laughs> Let me add something because there's something you said there that, I, that needs to be addressed. And that is when you say that a woman is there to help the man fulfill his purpose. I understand some people look at that as a sin and say, oh, are you kidding? Then, then us ladies, we don't have anything. No, there's no, greatness no, inside greatness. of you. God wants to release purpose inside mm-hmm. of you ladies. And, and he can do it. it. I mean, he has ways of doing it his way. I mean, think about, for instance, Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Well, she was never married, but did she fulfill her purpose in life? Yes. Because of the call that God had on her. Right. Or, I can't remember. Was Corey Tim Boone, any of y'all, was she single? I could not remember. Well, she was single, right? She was single, yeah. Okay. Well, think about her. I'm think about what. Her. Helen Keller. Helen Keller. I mean, you can go right down up here. So, well, but but here here's the thing: is once you become married, the context of your purpose becomes mixed with his purpose, right. and that's that next point. There's an interdependency yeah. between your purposes that come together. Right, because we're puzzle links, as the the. Um Puzzle links. Yeah, puzzle links. We're interdependence of male and female. So we're dependent upon one another, not like totally codependent because we should only really be, each one of us individually should be dependent upon the Lord because he is the one that's ultimately going to fulfill you. I've always said, and Eve, I, I said this even before I met Bill, I thought my, my God had put this in me that 
if I find a man who loves the Lord more than he loves me, then he will treat me the way he's supposed to. And I don't have a problem with if if there's a harsh word spoken or whatever, because you want to know something? I'm his daughter, and my God will take care of the correction that needs to happen. And the same thing works for me. If I say something that I shouldn't or act some way that I shouldn't, God will surely get me in the corner and say, "Mm, I don't think so. That's (laughs) happened to me. I fussed at her and got mad about something and went and Talk to go, went to go talk to God, and I got the cold shoulder. I said, God, where are you? He said, I'm mad at you because of the way you treated my daughter. Mm-hmm. You don't treat my daughter that way. Oh, you need to go back and repent and talk to her right. You see that? Are we kind of bringing it, yeah. bringing it down here? Yeah, yeah. You keep it real, brother? All right. We're getting in your business this morning. That's all. <laughs> That's all we're doing. Thank you, Lord. Okay, Genesis 5, 2, it says, When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. So, you know, we are called man. Now, we've got this, you know, we've got the order. We've got the pattern, the pattern. We came from man. So, you know what? Let me just tell you this. This is just a little check. If there's something going on with your wife... I'm just saying, maybe you better check yourself. Because maybe you need to get alone with God and find out if there's something going on between you and the Lord or if there's an attitude there. Because the, 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 pro, the product only acts as from which it came from. And so there might be a conflict there. And if we're single, you know, if there's something going on with us, maybe we're not spending as much time with the Lord that we need to be. Okay, women are built uniquely. We're delicate. Yes, they are. Yes, we are. Now, in the, As a man, it, <laughs> I can say, women are built, because remember what he said? The one, it said, he, he, no. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Women are built uniquely. Yes, we are. We are. And we're delicate. That doesn't mean that we're fragile. Um, we, we are, and, and the word says that we are the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean that we're weakling. A lot of times, women are more spiritual giants than a lot of men. Yes. Amen, <laughs> He can amen. attest to that because over the years in different churches, the ratio is what? Three to one. Three to one. So as when it far- says the woman's the weaker vessel, it just means he can bench press more than you. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. it. Exactly. But there are some women who could probably bench press more than men. That but, is true. But anyway. Um, but, but you don't want to mess with her. We're, we are delicate and, and uh, we are absorbent. That means that we feel everything that's happening around us. Um, and so, you know, we can walk, you can have a man and a woman walk into a room and her discernment will be up and she's like, mm-mm, there's something going on here. I can remember one time when Pastor and I went to, um, we went out to a conference to California and every time we drove down this one area, I just got this icky feeling. It was on um, the boulevard there in L.A. And lo and behold, we were sitting at a stoplight, and I looked up, and and in this particular area, there were the um, rainbow flags for a gay pride thing that was taking place. And I thought, that's it. Because every time, when we just got to this one certain area, and sure enough, there were certain flags on about five lamppost and God uses us to help with the discernment and if you've got to check again you go and you appeal you know if you're trying to make decision you go and you appeal so we are delicate and and we absorb everything we absorb our the atmosphere around us we're incubators that means we carry things we nurture things so saying sometimes things that are said to us it may be one little thing that could be said and you didn't think much of it but you need to be careful about your words that you say because a woman can can take it and incubate it and it can grow and it can either be lovely or it can be 
a monster. She can also be incubator of his dreams. Yes. Because she can take his dreams and incubate it within her spirit being mm-hmm. and present it to him. Because to, women, a, a, a lady in marriage is a kingmaker. Yes. She's That's a kingmaker. Right. And she can influence him to come great because she incubates greatness inside of her. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like we can take a pound of hamburger and make like five meals out of it. <laughs> you know. I mean, at least my mom could. I don't know how they do it, do it these days. But anyways. Come on, ladies. <laughs> yeah. So that's just being an incubator and, you know, taking dreams. And being fem- feminine, be proud of your femininity. We are the softer side of a man. We are, you know, God wants us to be out there. He wants to show the beauty of who we are. And women were placed in the Garden of Eden to be with the man. That's that place of pleasure like we talked about last week. And it's a, it's a good place. It's a fun place. And, um, you know, and, and for us, cause like, I think about my mom often, she was married for over 45 years and then my dad went home to be with the Lord 10 years ago. And, you know, I, I know there's like sometimes a loneliness there for her, but I often remind her that the Lord is her husband. So on Valentine's day, she was getting her hair done. I said, Ooh, you're getting ready for your big date tonight with Jesus. You know? So, you know, you have to, because that's the truth. He says that he is your husband as single women. He is your husband. Right, and there's this is this is a um, a misstatement. If somebody says I need to get married to be complete, that's not true. When you're in Christ, you are complete. So what does marriage do? The verse we read: marriage complements who you are. It 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 it's, it improves who you are. But you are fully complete in Christ whether you're married or not. Can I get an amen? All right, so y'all ever heard this before? Men are from Mars. And women are from? Venus. Okay. So can I get a witness to anybody in the house? Have you ever heard ladies say, men, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. Or <coughs> hear the men, well, if it weren't for all the women in the world, we'd be, we'd be in a much better place, you know. I mean, no, men are very strange creatures. Yes. You're outnumbered this morning. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, let let, let that hold. Now, women are very peculiar people. Yes. It is. But understand, God made it up this way. I, I'm so glad that he made when I when I kiss my wife, I don't want it to be itchy whiskers all over her. I, you know, I want it to be soft. I want it to be feminine. I'm being just being real with you. It is. Right? There's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, but here's add another layer to this. Now, everybody, now watch this. How about everybody's wired differently? Yes, and amen. Now we're, we're, our time's starting yeah. to run out here, but. You have a certain. Per- Do you know that we said there are three? Ty- there are three three uses. All right. This is one of the things we do bring up in, in, our, in our premarital counseling. There are three uses. There's your temperament, your personality, your character. Your temperament is is that part of your soulless, your psychological, emotional makeup that was passed to you by your parents. How many of you have noticed as you get older, you're getting more like your daddy? Are you kind of getting more like mama? You know, where did that come from? 
It came through your temperament. It was passed to you genetically. But temperament and personality differ in, in, in the sense that your personality is the public self you've developed over time. A lot of times a person's personality does not match their temperament because of the fear of man. Because they want to be accepted and approved by people so they will alter the way they really think and feel in order to fit in. Your personality and your temperament should always line up because that's the real you. But then there's the third part of you and that's your character. And that's the part, remember what we said? That the goal of marriage is what? Help me out. Is oneness. So where are we going to become one? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. When the man and the woman yoke with Christ, Christ is formed in their character. Guess what your character does? It's that part of your being that says, uh, fudge this report or tell a little white lie or, 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 or you know, flirt with that person over there. Your character goes, no, 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 that's not me. And your character overrides your personality and your temperament. It is the part of you that's proven by your, your, your convictions. You see that? So we need to be after developing Christ inside of us and letting, by the way, when we talk about personality, um, we've got, we're all over the place. Did you know Peanuts represents, Peanuts, the cartoon represents the four personalities? Did you know that? Charlie Brown is phlegmatic. All right, Lucy is caloric. Snoopy is sanguine. And Linus is uh, melancholy. Yeah. Did you know that Winnie the Pooh has the characters? Boys and girls. Um, Tigger is what? He's sanguine. Um, Wabbit. Bear rabbit is what? Caloric. Caloric. All right. Yeah. Who, who would, let's see. Eeyore. Eeyore. Melancholy. Oh, we're going to have a bad day. Oh, the clouds are in the sky. Who am I missing? Winnie. Winnie. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh. He's phlegmatic. All right. How many of y'all like Winnie? He's cool. Winnie's all right. You know, leave him alone. He's my favorite. But now watch this. God, I'm convinced. He's up there going, y'all watch this. Not only am I going to make a male and female. I mean, they are... They are light years apart as far as differences. Then I'm going to wire them differently with personalities yeah. and giftings mm-hmm. and watch how they, they work it out. Yeah. So and I'm going to throw kids in there in the mix. Yeah. With their own personalities. <laughs> so if we're going to become one, here's what we need to get to and turn the corner. If we're going to become one spiritually, psychologically, physically, then how are we going to do it with each of us being different? You ever thought about that? Does God, when, he, when you get saved or when you get married, does he erase your personality? Does he want you to be who you are? Okay. So how do you become one if you're going to have different personalities? You become who you are in Christ. You become true to the person God created you to be. All right, that, that's it. So God says, all right, for all the, 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 the personality traits that are out there, 
Uh, did you know that if you study the Word of God, there is a fruit of the Spirit that offsets and, and helps you to be stronger where you're weak? You know, in a love covenant relationship, the, 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 the spouse of the other should look at the weakness of the other. And by the way, all of us have them. All of us have blind spots. All right. of us have weaknesses. Right. Is to lovingly and with a redemptive cause yes. say, I want to help you with yes. that. Yes. So I'm glad I can lean on her in areas I'm weak in. But also that we have strengths, you know, that we, we bring into a relationship. And we recognize those. But listen now, your significance as a person does not lie in your similarity to someone else. That's right. Your significance as a person does not rely or lie in the similarity to other people. Your significance is in your difference. Who You need to be real to who God has created you to be. And so let Jesus rise up in your character, but be yourself. And, and let, let Jesus shine through you. And that's really, really important in marriage. As we celebrate one another's differences, all right? Um, why is it that you can go, I could go to bedrooms right now at your house mm-hmm. and I could pull open the sock drawer oh, and every, or I could open your closet and all the things, all the colors are lined up. All the socks are in, in, in rows and the, the blues, the blacks, you know, the, the, the whatever. It's, it's all there. It's, it's perfect. It's a perfect unity. And then you go to some people's sock drawer, you open it, and there's spontaneous combustion. I mean, it blows up in your face. It's like, what was that? Because some people just open the door, slant, put the sock in there, and, and you know. Okay, why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I can keep you organized, but I can't keep me organized. What is wrong with this picture? Why are some people... Talking to me, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Let's go down to the... Stop! And then some people are like, well, how was your day? Good. Yes, yeah, there you go. See? It's like, could you give me a little more? You know, could you give me a little more? Why are we like that? Because we're wired like that. But God in coming together and making us one that we want to celebrate one another's differences but grow to ourselves to become all that we can be. Can I get an amen? Amen. All amen. Right. So today, we've kind of just wanted you, oh, we could have, this could have been a whole uh, marriage retreat. And by the way, it is, it is for our single folks. It's like, well, I'm not married. This doesn't relate to me. Here's how it relates to you. Do you have to deal with men? Or do you have to deal with women at work? So you'll need to know some of this stuff will be helpful. It, it, it overlaps into those areas and helping us to understand. Because why, do, why are men like that? Well, that's the way God wired us, you know. Why, why are all women like that? God made them unique, and we need to celebrate that in them. And can I just tell you, reading the book of Esther, I, I love this season, but um, in there, she says, in the, with the book it was recorded, it said, you know, in that day, the women learned the language of their own husband because he, they were married to foreign, foreign the, the women were married or the men were married to foreign women. And so in this in a decree that came out, it said that the women needed to learn the language of their own husband. And when I read that a couple years ago, I went, you know what? That's some of the problem that we're having is that we, we are, we're not learning the language of our own husbands. And I taught that in a class um, a couple years ago. But, you know, that's really important that we learn the language that's being spoken. 
Amen. And that's good stuff. Having said that, we brought some stuff here that we use. A lot of the teaching we use today was from Dr. Miles Monroe. And, you know, he just, he just went home to be with the Lord just a, a couple of weeks ago. This is understanding the, power, understanding the power and purpose of a woman and of men. The, those two alone are so, I mean, he's done such a great work from the scriptures and, and studies that it's very valuable. These are two that we use in counseling. This is one of the primary ones I've been using for years now, love and respect. I'm going to talk about that in closing. But um, that helps to under, helps the, the, the man and, and the woman to understand how to work with one another toward a common goal. DNA relationships, Dr. Gary Smalley, very good, and he talks about why you were created for relationships and, and how that works. And, uh, and then the five, Dr. Chapman, uh, the five love languages is, is another good. The right one. Oh, uh, Evans, yeah, because there's another one. Y'all probably see him on TV. Um, Evans, I can't, can't remember their name. Anyway, marriages on the rock is, is what they talk about. And here's the thing. Now, let's back up, y'all. Remember what we said last week? God created the garden, and but people think, and people think, well, he created the man as an afterthought because he created the garden first. Not true. When a husband and wife are expecting, what do they do with that little room in their house? They go and they make a nursery, right? Or they're anticipating, they're expecting that the baby's going to come into the world and they want to have a place for that baby. When God created this earth you see and the stars and all the universe, guess why he did it first? He was making a place for you and I to live. And when he created us, he, he created the garden and put us in the garden, but he put the garden inside of us. And here's what I want you to take away from this teaching today. And that is your marriage, sir, ma'am, is what you want it to be. If you want it to be a garden that's lush, that's well-watered, it's fruitful, it's interesting, it's got all kinds of things. It's just, it, when you look at it, it just screams life and blessing and favor. That's your choice. But if you want a garden that the, the vines are withering, there's, it's a weed bed, it's all overgrown, and, and it looks like just an empty lot, then you forsake working on a marriage, that's what it's going to look like. Your marriage was created to look like a garden. And so it's time to get busy cultivating, turning over soil, pruning things back, cutting some things out, pulling some weeds, watering that thing, fertilizing it. I mean, that's the picture, right? That's what God wants us to do. And uh, if you can take that away, you know, that's going to help us a whole lot. See, what we didn't talk about here was that you want to know the number one reason that marriages either uh, are having problems or fail today? You know what the number one reason are? Communication. Communication problem. I always like to put it this way. Communication is like the umbilical cord to your marriage. If you understand that when that baby's in the tummy, that life, that, that's its life dependency. So communication, verbal and nonverbal, are essential to a healthy marriage. All right? So we know somebody that's married, been married, how much, John and Marie, how long have they been married? Probably 60 plus, 60 plus years. 
their their parents. I've I've seen them a few. I mean, we've been around them, but their parents always called them the Bickersons. They were always fussing at each other, and we think, my goodness, how do you know there are some couples that fuss all the time but get along? <laughs> you think how's that work? Somehow they work it out, but they communicate. See, a lot of times somebody, a couple that's all sugary sweet in public, sometimes it may not be so good behind the scenes. Not if you're not communicating, speaking the truth and love, letting your speech being seasoned with grace, speaking life and, and, and blessing to that person, speaking what they need to hear, not just giving them a piece of your mind. All right? The other thing, you want to know the second reason for marriage failure? That's why it, this could be a whole retreat. The second reason marriages fail? Finances. Finances, because finance, the, the, uh, the love of money is the root of many kinds of evil. And so a lot of people have trouble in marriage because, because of handling money. Do you want to know the number one reason couples argue is over money? All right? So that's an area that if I, we can, as a pastoral couple, try to pass on, you say, those are the things you need to be working on if you want it to be a garden. You need to, that's what these talk about. That's, that's, these talk a lot about communication, a lot about finances, a lot about raising kids. How do you take care of the uh, household, things like that, so that you can come together and come into agreement. Now, those of you who've heard me say this before, here's how I want to end this because, um, you know, uh, in, 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 in all the sessions that, that we've had with people, it, it, it comes down to if, if, if we want to set a gauge on a relationship, all right, now stay with me. If we want to set a gauge, if I were to say, because remember we said last week, right now in your marriage, rate it. How happy are you on a scale of one to ten? You know, you don't have to shout it out here in church. Just, you know, how, how happy, or maybe happy is not a good word. How fulfilled are you? And your marriage. Where is that? Now, here comes the gray hair to talk to you about that for a moment as we close. According to how you have developed this one thing in your marriage, will determine how fulfilled you're going to be as a husband or a wife. It was found, we just read the verse there. Um, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I want, I, want, I want to see if I can get you going with me here. This one thing was the thing that brought you to the altar to say vows to one another if you're married. This one thing determined throughout your journey as you grew together and grew old and beautiful like fine wine and good cheese. You're not getting older, you're getting better. This one thing, as you go through life, will determine how happy you are as a couple. And then stay with me. We get all the way down to the end. Your grandparents were married how many years? 70? Did you say 70-something years? Whoo! Thank you. Picture yourself as a couple. Let me put you out on the porch swing. All right, y'all remember the porch swing? Let me put you out on the porch swing and you're rocking back and forth and you're reminiscing. Let's say the great-grandchildren are there on the front lawn playing and you're reflecting on your life. And one of you looks over to the other and says, wow, 
What a journey. What a ride this was. Hey, if you had to do it over again, would, would you do it again with me? And the other look at the other and say, oh, baby, no question. It was, it's been the joy of my life to, to, to grow old with you. This has been the greatest journey of my entire life. <clears throat> this one thing is what determined what is said on that porch swing. Let's back up again. It brought you to the altar. It determined your happiness throughout your whole life. And when it gets you to the porch swing, you say, I would do it all over again. You want to know what it is? If, people, if you say love, it's not. Because I've, I've quizzed people. I said, tell me what it is. I said, well, it's got to be love. It's not. It involves love. Probably the second most common answer I've gotten is, well, it involves trust. You've got to trust. Well, sure. It involves trust, but it's not trust. The third most common is commitment. You've got to be committed, because when you go through those storms, well, it involves commitment. But it's not commitment alone. You want to know what it is? Ready? It's respect. It's respect. Because see, when you stand in an altar to say vows, till death do you part, you're not going to do that to someone you don't respect. And if it's going through life, enjoying life, I have determined the more value I give to the person I love the most, the more valuable they're going to feel. I love the way Dr. Gary Smalley said in one of his marriage retreats, he, he took out a Stradivarius violin and he's talking about this, he's using the term value. And, and he's talking about how important that is in a marriage relationship. And he said, this is worth X number of dollars, a very rare, very fragile piece of instrument. And he, he, uh, he walks down to the couple on the front row while he's talking, he's holding his hand and he says, now let me talk to him. He says, hold this while I talk to them. He hands it to the one of the guys and he's sitting there looking at it. And while he's uh, talking, he looks back and says, hand that to her. And you see the guy going, uh, and, and he hands it over to her. And he says, hey, have you got it? No, I'm going to let it go now. And she's got it. And he keeps talking about value inside of marriage, valuing one another. He says, now, ma'am, pass that over to the couple next to you. And they pass it over. And he kept talking and, to, and, and the camera's on them. It's, it's being videotaped. They're, camera, they're, they're, they're watching. They're how careful. He says, now stop. He said, I've been talking to you about the importance of valuing one another. And I've told you the value of that violin. And look at the way you're handling it. He said, now you're handling it with care. You're handling it with, with concern because you know its value. When God puts a spouse in your life, you're to handle with care. You're to honor them. And so when you come to an altar to say vows, what you're saying is, I respect you because I'm not going to give my life to somebody I don't respect. And when you go through life, if you say at any point, you say, well, how happy are you right now? You would stop and you're going to pulse it. You're going to gauge it by how well you're respected. And when you get down to the end and say, if I could do it over again, I would do it. Why? Because you made me feel so honored. You made me feel so valuable. Yes, it's loving respect. Understand, it is loving respect. But it is respect. 
And if we want to make this where I'm going to jump off and pick it up next week, because next week I'm going to talk to you about the foundation of a nation. The reason our nation is crumbling is because men are falling apart. And the reason because that, that, that homes are falling apart is because they're not founded on the institution of marriage. So we, you and I have got to figure out how are we going to make our relationship strong so that we can be a, 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 a solid rock that people can look and say, what is it that you guys have got? Would, other marriages are falling apart. Other families are falling apart. But yours seem to be what? Why? And then you say, I can tell you why. Because we've built our marriage on God's design, on his foundation. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Come on, honey. Thank you for this day. And I pray now, remind us, Lord, that a lot has been said today. But I pray that you remind us that, Lord, you did create them out of yourself. And you made them to reflect you. And that, Lord, because of this, Lord, we are to treat one another the way that you treat us. I'm reminded, Lord, our highest calling is whether we're married or not, that we're to love one another the way that you love us and that we're to forgive one another the way that you have forgiven us. And that in doing that, Lord, we pass the royal law. We love our neighbors, ourselves. We do unto others as we would have them do unto us because we live by the commands of your word. And I thank you, Father, that you would help, Lord, the wives to submit themselves to their husbands as to the Lord and help the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And Lord, in doing so, we open up portals. We open up floodgates of heaven to go come down through the mystery of marriage. And it's a reflection on earth of something that's taken place in heaven. And that God, that we can bear witness, Lord, on earth of that great union, reunion, Lord, that Christ is the bridegroom and his church is the bride and Lord there's something that's being revealed in marriages help our marriages to be the best reflection of heaven and Father we thank you for this in Jesus name and everybody said together amen